Thanks, Sam. So seriously consider, if you've not yet been baptised, or if you'd like to be, think about it. It is very exceptionally biblical. And for those that can get up that early in the morning for your meditation and stretching, um, I think you, for those that decide to come along, you'll be so glad that you did. Yeah, it, it's probably time across the world that Christianity uh, redeems some of the things that the enemy has stolen. Yeah, And uh, yoga might be for some just stretching, but there is a spiritual connection there. And the whole idea is for us to actually give glory to God with every movement yeah, that we portray. Every time that we stretch, it's giving glory to God. It's time that we redeem some stuff. I love the fact that I grew up with a guy in Sunshine who um, did martial arts. He used to fight competitively. I love the religious people that say, how can you do that, you know, be a Christian and kick someone? It's really easy, you just kick them. <laughs> well, hello, you know, like, I don't have to do anything different, you know, just like if... I love that Frank actually turned his dojo, had all the Asian writing and everything pointed to Jesus. Everything. Everything that he did was to bring glory to God. I love the fact that one of my dear friends that I've not seen for a long time was an eight-time world kickboxing champion. How can you do that? How can you inflict all that pain and love Jesus? I don't stop loving him when I'm punching someone. It's just my job, you know. But, oh, look, someone's ringing me. Not today. At least, you know, it's it. I don't even know the number. Anyone here 0477? No. No, those at home, 0477-043, no, no. Who knows? Maybe they'll send me a text. Stan, eight-time world kickboxing champion. He's the one that put kickboxing on the map for Australia and worldwide. And he was asked once in this church by youth at the time, how can you call yourself a Christian and do all of that and bring attention to that? And his response was so, so... It was just sweet and simple. He goes, because of my belief and because of what I do, God now opens doors to me that he will never do for you. I can walk through into places that many Christians never will be able to and I get to share the gospel. Yeah, I love it. I love today that people got baptised. I, I love that Dylan shared, you know, I used to do this, I used to do that, but now I'm here and I'm happy. I love that Jade goes, you know what, I'm, I'm seven day clean. You know what, just the eight, eight day, let's not diminish it. Just the start of a journey, you know, because the reality and truth is that all of us are broken people, yeah. Some of us may look like we've got it more together than others, but all of us come to the Lord because we're broken. My sister-in-law, who won't be watching this, I, <laughs> I can say whatever I like, um, will, often, will often say something like, oh, the only people that go to church are those that need a crutch. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. Because whenever I fall, he's there. Yeah? I love that. I, I love that that's what Christianity is all about, that God takes what's broken and he picks up all the messy pieces and he puts us back together better than we ever were. Like, isn't that just sweet? So I love the fact that people got baptised today. Love it, love it. But yeah, yeah. 
love it that people are making a commitment for Jesus. You know, like he's, people put so much effort into work and school and they're important things and relationships and clubs that they're a part of and sports and all that sort of stuff and hobbies. You know, if all of us, me included, could put the same amount of effort into our personal intimate relationship with Jesus, I tell you now, no matter what we face, God will get and receive all the glory. And people around us will say, what is it with you guys? How can, how can you still have this sense of joy? It doesn't mean that you have to you know, skip through the tulips when you're mourning, but it means that there's a joy, this, this sense of knowing that God's with us. Amen? Yeah. Uh, anyway, not my message. I just wanted to take up some time. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I do love that we celebrate the death and resurrection. I do love that it refocuses us at Easter time because, man, what... what that's what it's all about. One of the songs that we sang, I won't, I won't find it, but um, he's our light in the darkest hour. He's, he's my hope when I'm feeling f- far from home. Man, I can't, <laughs> I can't even speak those words because they're so true because of what he's done. He's, he's my light in every darkest hour. He's my hope when I'm feeling lost, broken, estranged, distant, disconnected. And I love that. No other God does that. No other God. And here we are. We come and we celebrate that on a Friday, of all things. We celebrate an empty tomb because God is just so madly in love with you and I. Like, again, it makes no sense. Should he have paid more for some than others? My son's lighter than me. I'm heavier. He should have paid more for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, but he pays the ultimate price for all of us, regardless of what we look like, regardless of whether you've got hair, no hair, grey hair, blonde hair. He just he pays the same price. Yeah, he's madly, madly in love with us, and. For me, when we, we come to Easter, it, it reminds me that God just gets on with business. Just does his thing, you know. He wants our participation. He doesn't need our participation. He just does his thing over and over, you know. He, he's brilliant. I love that it says in Isaiah 55.8, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Some of us have got to get this. People are watching at home. Just because you think it doesn't mean he does. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. I mean, he's God. It's how awesome he is. Nothing. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. I don't like that the Bible says this. Rip that page out. I don't like that God says that. Rip that out. Oh, I don't like that he killed the Egyptians. Well, rip that out. Notice he didn't kill. Oh, no, he did kill the Italians. Lucky he left some. We never have lasagna. You know, like, I don't get it. I don't know why he did some of the stuff that he did. But you know what? It's not up to me to understand. My thoughts are nothing like his thoughts. Who am I to peg myself? Who are we to peg ourselves at where he is? He's God. He's the creator. He created everything. I love that Psalm 136 talks about his love never fails. 
The NIV says it endures forever. The NLT says, again, that his faithful love endures forever. The CEV says his love just never, ever fails. Never, ever fails. If my wife was here, <laughs> she could tell you. Probably, yeah, she'd need more than two hands. The amount of times that my love has failed, yeah. I know, Ross, you're close to perfection, but I'm sure Ali could share there are times when his love's failed, yeah? But, but God's love, it never fails. So I want us to remember that today. It, it doesn't matter where you find yourself at. It doesn't matter how sick you are, how unwell your loved one is, what your children are going through, your partners, your family. You know what? That is not, it doesn't picture his love for you. That's just life. His love never fails even in our hurt even in our pain, even in our brokenness. Never, ever. And we have to remember that. And the brilliance about Easter Sunday is he does it in his timing. Like it's his timing, it's not our timing. I'm sure if it was up to Jesus, I mean, Jesus spoke the words, didn't he? You know, Father, look, if, if, you, you, know, look, if you want to consider it, take this cup from me, you know, <laughs> that would be really good. But not my will, but yours, yeah? He does it in his timing, his way. He chooses. Jesus, as the son of God slash son of man, I'm reasonably certain that the humanity in him wasn't skipping through the tulips heading to the cross. But he endured what he had to endure for us, yeah? And sometimes you and I don't like the stuff we go through in life. We don't. But God is still there. God is still faithful. His love never, ever fails. And it's, he just does it always at the last minute. You know, who's heard the thing about God's timing that he comes through at the 11th hour? Doesn't that suck? Seriously, like you're going through stuff, you know. You, you've got a loved one, they're in hospital, they've had a stroke, heart attack, whatever it might be. And, you know, you, they've, like they've almost flatlined. Why couldn't God come a couple of hours earlier? Like, seriously, stuff's going on at home. The bills, you can't pay the bills, but you know you've got some money coming, and then they come just in time. God comes and rescues you from that torment and shame. Why couldn't he come earlier? What's wrong with the fourth hour? Anyone ever question that? I do. What's wrong with the fifth hour? The sixth hour. I'm still believing. I still have faith. Hey, even the ninth hour would be great. But the eleventh hour... I'm almost ready to go to bed. After the 12-hour day, most of us go to bed. Well, close to, you know. Unless you're working hard driving into state in a truck and you're driving those hours. But most of us are in bed by then. But the 11th hour, he does it in his timing. You know, his timing is perfect, even if we're not sure. All the time. Let me, let me explain it like this. Genesis 22, 1-13. I... I love how it starts, verse 1, some time later. Just some time later. It's like, it's like when you, it's not even in my message. It's like when you, when you read about Noah and he's building his ark, right? And then you read the scripture that says, 100 years later, and God remembered Noah. <laughs> so if God had remembered sooner, maybe he would have finished building that thing in 10 years. 
Like I just want to, and God remembered Noah. I wonder how often he has those moments with us. And God remembered Andrew. God remembered John. Oh, and God remembered Nathan. How could he forget? Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering. Praise God for ducted heating. And set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Third day. He's heading in a direction, not even knowing where he's going. And three days later, imagine just driving for three days and after three days, ah, oh, yeah, hey, love, that's where we're going. Can you imagine? My wife would have jumped out after the first two hours, let alone three days later. Yeah? Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we'll come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire in the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? So you can understand God's timing, God's ways, they're not our ways. On Easter, that, that if anything, should scream, it's the way I want to do it, not the way you would. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son. I reckon it was a Rambo-type knife. You know one that you pull out of the sheaf and it just keeps coming? One of those... It would have been, I reckon it would have been like that. It wouldn't have been like a little letter opener. No, it would have been like it would have been a knife. Like, now that's a knife, you know? Paul Hogan-type stuff. Think about it. Sometimes you just got to think about these things, how they're playing out, don't you? And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. <laughs> and it goes on to say that Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket, Yeah. So God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son. Insane request. I don't understand it. I imagine most of us will never quite comprehend it. But God asks him anyway and he sets out to kill his son. Grabs a donkey, grabs servants, grabs wood, grabs fire and off he goes. God could have come to rescue Isaac at any time. He could have come the minute that he grabbed the donkey. He could have come the minute he grabbed the rope. He could have come the minute that he got the fire. He could have come the minute he was organising the servants. He could have come after the first day. Yeah? How many of us in our trials and tribulations, when we're hurting, when there's sickness, and we're asking God to come, and after one day, he's not there. And after two days, he's not there. And sometimes after a week and two weeks and a month, he's not there. But he shows up at the time that he has declared and he intervenes in this situation, he intervenes in this process. I am sure that Abram was thinking at the time, God, come on, enough's enough. Haven't I done enough? 
Haven't I done enough for you? Haven't I already travelled far enough for you? Isn't it enough that I've actually tied up my son? Isn't it enough that I'm willing to give you everything that I have? Isn't that enough? Come on, God, why aren't you here? But he walks forward anyway because it's in his time. He's in control, yeah? But we've got to understand it. I, there's no way in the world that I would cope. And they travel these three days. And I just think he was full, full of questions for God. And he grabs a knife and still nothing, not a whisper, not a still small voice, you know. You think about it. God, you know, my wife, she's sick. Why haven't you healed her? You know, my friend's in the hospital. God, why? Come on. It's like death's knocking at the door. It's like a knife's hanging over the head. Come on, God. Then at that last moment, that 11th hour, if I find a Christian who termed that phrase, I'll slap him. Maybe it would never exist, exist if someone didn't come up with it. Who knows? Maybe they talked it into existence. We've got the power of life and death. Maybe the first Christian should have said, and God came with the first hour. And then for the last 2,000 years, we would have been saying, and God came right at that first hour. Maybe we would have created it. And he lifts his hand, and right there, there's no time left, no hope left, it would seem. Yeah? God shows up. God makes a difference. God comes through. Right at the last minute, when everybody else, there was no hope left, they're taking his body down from the cross and they're putting it in a tomb. It's over. Time's gone. God, you could have. You could have done it. You could have saved him while he was on the cross. And at the last minute, God delivers because his love never fails. And he does it in his time. What about Moses? Have you ever thought about Moses? Yeah, I mean, I might read Exodus 14, particularly for time, but this is when the Israelites leave Egypt and they start to leave you know, Egypt and then Pharaoh has this epiphany. He goes, man, what am I doing? That's my workforce. I can't let my workforce go. You know, like if I was an Italian, which I am, 50 years ago, not today, because we live in a different world, I can't let my, guy, my wife go to work. Who's going to cook the food? Like, seriously, I, like me thinking about, you know, the ethnics of old, you know, like, hello, who's going to iron my underwear if she's working full time? And so here, Pharaoh's going, who's going to do all of our work if we let these guys go? What the heck am I doing? All my workers are gone. And so he decides to chase them, doesn't he? Israelites at that point thought, this is it. It's all over. God could have chosen at any time to have come in and rescued him. He could have done it in the midst of all of the plagues. He could have done it the minute that they started walking out the door. He could have done it. But for some reason, it's his time. It's not, it's not our time. And as they're trying to get away from the Egyptians, there's water. So much water, they go, that's it, we're finished. We're, we're stuffed now. You know, it's like having a big flood on some roads and you see a car floating down and you think, well, they didn't stop when they should have, you know. These guys got to the water. They had the sense enough to know we're not stepping in that. If we step in that, we're going to be floating down, you know. 
And they reckon Google doesn't listen. <laughs> hey? Watch this. Watch this. Let's be, hey Google, stop listening. I says, I'm designed to wait and stand by moan until I detect an activation like when I hear, hey Google. The status indicator on your device that you know when I'm activated, if you're concerned about your privacy, there are steps you can take. Want to start by de deleting our conversations from today? Like, can you believe it? That's not wasting storytelling. So the Egyptian army starts chasing down the Israelites and there's water in the way. I reckon they would have thought, come on God, save us. Just save us. If, I reckon they would have yelled out, hey God, hey Google, save us. Please don't. <laughs> Could you imagine the thoughts of the Israelites? Like we believed in this God, we'd heard all the stories about this God that saves and now we're about to die. You know, so much for your God. And just when they thought it was over, Moses raises his hands and the water parts. I mean, you know, we know that he's done some stuff in the past, but he's never done this before. This is actually brand spanking new. This is not a miracle he practiced at home. Like magicians, they practice their magic at home, yeah? Until they get on the stage where it's perfected. He'd never done this before. And he raises his hand and God shows up. And the water parts. God confuses the Egyptians. He, he twists their wheels, they say, for the wheels that they found in the water. And all of this is happening at the last minute while the Israelites are screaming for their life. Because it's his timing. And why am I sharing this on Easter Sunday? Because that tells us, the empty tomb tells us, then when we're screaming, yeah, when we're in torment, when we're struggling in the situations that we face, God's just about there. Right there when we're screaming and can't take it anymore, he's there. That's when he's about to come at that dreaded 11th hour. How do you know that you're at the 11th hour? Because you're at that place where you can't take anymore. Man, God did it his way. His love, it never fails. He did it in his timing. You know, I love in, in 2 Kings, in chapter 6, verse 8 to 16, I'll, I'll read some of it to paint a little bit of a picture. But the, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers. And he says things like, we will mobilize our force, forces at such and such a place. But immediately, yeah, Elisha, the man of God, who was not with that king, right, would warn the king of Israel, don't go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became so upset, very upset over this, he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Which of you is leaking secrets? Yeah? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. I, here, this is for free. You and I can have such a deep, intimate relationship with God that we can hear him so, that clearly to speak life into the lives of people. Yeah, we just can so he says, verse 13, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. 
Elisha's at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God, the servant of the man of God, right, he got up early the next morning, went outside. There were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what would we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. I love this. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. There was two of them, yeah? <laughs> then Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the, the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I mean, what a story. Like, what a, what a story. The servant gets up, looks out the window and the first thing he goes is, Oh my Godzilla, we're about to die. They're, look at all these people surrounding us. They don't look like they're here for a barbecue. Elisha, we're finished, man. Like, we need to get out of this place. What are you going to do? We should probably start running. And Elisha, you look a little bit tubby. Maybe you should get a head start. You know, you should probably start running now, I think. I mean, this, this guy, he'd seen all the things that Elisha has done through, the God, yet he was, through God, yet he was petrified. And Elisha himself just had the sanity to say, hey, Relax. Take a chill pill, dude. Listen, I've got the coffee on. Yeah, the cafeteria's ready to boil. We're about to have an espresso. We'll be okay. God's got this. But the servant, he couldn't see it. He would have been thinking, it's easy for you to say, but you can't see, Elisha, what I'm seeing outside. You can't see what's about to befall us here at this moment. There's an army camped around us. Yeah? The cancer's progressing. You, you don't see what I see because you don't feel the pain I feel. The, the bills are due. My husband, I just had to rush him to hospital. One of my workmates was just crushed by a forklift. You can't see what I see. I mean, life is just, it's encamped around us. They are going to kill us. And all Elisha says is, don't be afraid. Hey, Father. Hey, Dad. Open his eyes. Open his eyes. And then God. I mean, we should all have a top, T-shirt, hoodie, even like track pants that written down the side. And then God. And then God. Baseball cap, not those rubbish flat caps that some people wear. They're ridiculous. Baseball cap. And then God. Yeah? And then God. Because it's then God. God turns up. Horses, chariots. And they surround the army that's surrounding them. Because it's in his time. Again, at that dreaded 11th hour. God, his way. God's timing. When all hope was lost, God. Yeah? On Easter Sunday, you and I need to go away with a really simple thought. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what you face. Don't be afraid of where you find yourself today. Don't be afraid of where you find yourself tomorrow. Don't, don't actually be afraid because there are more on your side than there are on his. Just open your eyes. See what God sees. See it through his eyes. Over and over and over again, God turns up and does the impossible the improbable, the unbelievable, right on time, that 11th hour, when there seems to be none left, 
when all hope is lost. God. But then God. I mean, that's a message of hope, isn't it? It's in Father's DNA. It's, it's who he is all the time. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. The plans and purposes that he had for you when you were born, he has for you now. The call and giftings of God, it tells us, are irrevocable. It doesn't matter how far you've slidden or fallen or how much you've doubted or not trusted. Step back into his love because the call of God, the gifts of God in your life are irrevocable. He loves you madly, so madly that he killed his son on that so that he could raise him up, so that we could live in that truth. I mean, this is Easter Sunday. This is where we discover hope. This is where we discover hope. You see it on the faces of the people when they get baptised and every once in a while you just see it on someone that comes out of the water and it's like, dang, this is my last chance. You know? And they go in. They go in and they go in almost shaking and then they come up and it's like, okay, I'm now trusting you, God. This is my last chance. I remember when my daughter Sarah got baptised years and years ago. She came out of the water and she was just smiling, like smiling. What's going on with you? I don't know. I went into the water. When I, when I came out, I was just happy. It was full of joy. I can tell her what happened. She was filled with hope. Yeah? Filled with hope. You know, in John 11, 1, 7, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But, <laughs> but God now, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, ah, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No. It happened for the glory of God that the Son of Man will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Are you, are you for real, God? Like, are you serious? Like, the doctors just came in and, and, and gave us a prognosis. They don't think we're going to get past 36 hours. Are, are you serious that you're going to take 48 you know, my, my son just had a car accident and they might take his arm. Are, are you serious, God, that you're not coming now? Are you serious? You're going to stay away for, what, another two days? Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So John 11 begins with Lazarus being sick. Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. Jesus doesn't go. He delays. He hangs back. I don't know. Maybe he went for a swim. Who knows what he did? Maybe the coffee there was too good to, to bypass. He had to stop. And he waits two days until Lazarus is dead. So now let's jump to verse 30 of John 11. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. How many times, if we're to be honest, like honest, this is not a fake it till you make it church. How many times have you and I said to God, if only you were there, 
If only you were there. If only you were there. If only you were there. How many times have we said that? If only you were there. You know, when Jesus saw her weeping, verse 33, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell is terrible. Ever been there where someone's gone to pray for you and you're like, no, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's good. You don't need to pray for that. It's past. It's all right. Do you know, things are never past with God. Yeah? They can be past for us. We could have felt like we've journeyed through a circumstance, a season, a situation, but they're never past with God. If someone decides to come and pray for you for something that happened years ago, maybe, just maybe, I'm just throwing it out there, maybe God's involved. Yeah? You know, we've got to put ourselves in this picture because Mary arrives and she says, Lord, if only you'd been there. It was her brother. I know she was weeping. She would have thrown herself at Jesus. You ever had those times where you've wept so hard? You know, I know I joke here about ugly crying. <laughs> well, you've wept so hard. And I reckon, I reckon in this situation, she would have thrown herself at Jesus. And I reckon she would have been pounding his chest. Lord, why weren't you here? Why weren't you here? My, my brother, he's, he's dead. Why weren't you here? Man, because he does things in his time. And I just want to speak hope into someone today. Where, I don't know where you, everyone finds themselves. But it's not over till the fat lady sings. That's what Rex Hunt used to say. Yeah? And at the moment, I've not heard the fat lady or the fat man singing, It's over! Yeah? Sometimes we've just got to trust him. And in the midst of the cry, when there is nothing else left, hope, the last... The, the last grams, few, few salt grains of hope had left her body. Why? God. But then God. But then God. And God shows up and he heals, he restores, he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's in his time. Not our time. His time. For some, someone today, just hang on. Just a little bit more. Just that little bit longer. I know that you don't think the, the miracle's coming, the breakthrough's coming, you've almost given, but just hang on, just a little bit more. Because he will, he's on his way. It's his time. We just have to know how he works. And when we know how he works, and that his love never fails, then we can rest in him. You know, Friday we remembered and celebrated his death, didn't we? Yes? I celebrated. 
And I say celebrated because it's the start. For me, it's where life started. See, the truth is, Jesus could have saved himself. But then he couldn't save you and I. It's in his way. It's his way. It's his timing. It's his hope. He is hope. God, when everything seemed lost, gone, victory impossible. <laughs> but then God. But then God. But then God. Why don't we stand? You know, as we remember the death and resurrection today of Jesus, remember this and learn from this, that God comes through when we least expect it. When we least expect it. Yeah? When we least expect it. When we least expect it. He actually knows what he's doing. Surprise, surprise. Even coming at the last moment. Even coming when the body's already dead and buried. Even coming when the stone's being rolled across the front. He knows what he's doing. And when things look like they're finished and you're ready to cry out, don't give up. Don't give up. Easter Sunday's message is don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't do it. When everything looks lost and broken and impossible, don't give up. Even in, You've got to understand that brokenness and hurt and pain is in every household. It's in every life. Yeah, You are not immune from it. I am not immune from it. We've shared here at the church how my wife is in a season of, of burnout, emotionally and spiritually depleted. Yeah, Come on, God. Heal her. Do your stuff. Raise her from that burnout bed. But it's not my time or Mel's time. It's his time. And so all of us here have to know that God will move in our lives when he needs to, when he's planned to, in his time. And sometimes that means his army will look like it outnumbers everything around us. But the truth is, when we see the way he sees, his army is far greater. Far greater. It may look insurmountable, but he will just ask that thing to move. Yeah? And no matter how long we've struggled with something, no matter how long we, we, we think that thing is, that dream, that prophecy, no matter if you think the stuff in your life is dead, he's the God of the second chance. He's the God that takes the dead thing and pow, back, you know, clear, poof, and he brings dreams back to life. He brings visions back to life. He brings prophetic words back to life. He brings goals back to life. He restores what was irreparable and he makes it brand spanking new. Even when you think some pieces are missing, he's got those better pieces to replace them. Almost like the $6 million man in his bionic arm. He's got something better to attach there anyway, yeah? God had Jesus buried for three days simply so that we would know that nothing can keep him or us down. So friends, our victory, your victory is just around the corner. <laughs> Sometimes we just need our faith fanned into flame. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that, you know what, his love never fails. 
It's at his time. If I'm at breaking point now, I'm almost at my 11th hour. And if I'm at my 11th hour, that means he's just about to come through and do something so miraculous, something so supernatural that it's going to wow everybody around me and probably even me. Yeah? So I don't know about you, but who wants to be wowed in Jesus? Yeah, come on. So who's ready to hold on just a little bit more? Who's ready to hold on by faith just a little longer? Who's ready to believe that that dream's coming? Who's ready to believe for their kids and their grandkids? They haven't accepted the Lord. They're wayward. They're doing drugs. Whatever it might be, you know. But I did that and now I'm here and I'm happy. I did that but now I'm eight days clean because he's just there. Just at that last minute when we can't, we can't do it anymore, he can. So you ready to trust him? On this Easter Sunday, let's pray. Father, I thank you because you are a God full of hope. Father, you are a God that never lets us down. Father, you are the same yesterday, today and, and forever. The dreams and the purposes and the things you have in store for us, God, you've not taken from us. Life may have tried, <laughs> but life has got nothing on you. And so, God, in the face of adversity, in the face of pain, in the face of tribulation, in the face of trials, God, in the face of life, we just rest and trust in you. God, if things are good, we trust in you. If things aren't going well, we still trust you. We just know that we're, we're ticking along to that 11th hour. But we thank you, Father, this day, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill each and every one of us to restore us, to refresh us, to regenerate us, to give us the strength, the inner strength, to hold on that little bit longer, to know that you are the God of second chances, that you are the God of hope, that when we have no hope, you're about to come and do something that, Lord, just lifts us in our faith. I thank you, Lord, with every journey, Father, with every time that we have to cling on for dear life, that you're transforming us more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus, with ever-increasing glory. And on this particular day, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, we give you all the glory, we give you all the honour, and we just say thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being here for us. Thank you for not only sending your son, but raising your son. Thank you for bringing us back into family. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And all the people said, Amen. Yeah, why don't we give him a, a bit of a clap. And what better, better way than on an Easter Sunday to pray for people? So before we go, if I can have those that have been baptised to come forward. And um, maybe some of the...